This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to iFanboy Talk Explode with John Lehman, writer of Chew.
Hey, welcome to another edition of iFanboy Talks Blowed. My name is Ron Richards, and this week I'm really excited because I'm talking with John Lehman, the writer of Chew, talking about the upcoming Chew number 27, which might seem familiar to some people, as well as what people can expect from the upcoming One Shot, as well as some of his other work uh, elsewhere aside from Chew. Um, John's a really interesting guy to talk to. The really perspective that he gives on his uh, approach and work on Chew with Rob Guillory is really fascinating. If you're a fan of the book, like I hope you are, because it's awesome, I'm sure you'll enjoy this conversation. All right, so I'm here with writer John Lehman. How you doing, John? Pretty good. Hello, children of the internet. <laughs> Excellent. So we are here to chat about the upcoming uh, issue of Chew, Chew number 27, which uh, we've seen before. Yep. <laughs> so before we get into that, uh, this so this issue was released out of order about a year ago, right? Yeah, last uh, April between uh, 18 and 19. Now, what was why, why do that? What was the motivation behind releasing an issue out of order in this way? Well, the practical reason was, I, you know, I, I know the story of Chew, and sometimes I, you know, I jump around when the story is real clear in my head, and I had written it, and I thought, hey, what the hell, this would be fun. Um, but it's also, you know, Tony, the sister, can, uh, you know, bite things and see the future, and, and I thought it would be really sort of fun and meta if when you really get to know her, you, either the character who sees the future, we jump into the future to show show her to you. Sure, yeah, that seems like an interesting device. <laughs> so, so when it came out, there were uh, it confused some people. So people didn't quite get it. Not a, not everyone remembers that this used to happen. Like th- this has happened before. Publishers have released issues out of order. I remember um, Image did that years ago, and and that's the thing. They, you know, they did that because they fucked up. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think the McFarlane thing was because he was so behind, uh, you know, on the regular solicitation. They, uh, um, you know, they, they just kind of jumped ahead to, you know, a different artist and then caught up. And then I think maybe Liefeld and, and Stormwatch did it or someone else did it. Stormwatch and did when it. When it got to it was, the point, yeah. it didn't match up. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it was definitely Stormwatch. <laughs> And then there was one other, and I don't think they, you know, I don't think it worked. But uh, immediately after fi- finishing 27, I wrote 26. Okay. And, and, you know, in some ways it's a cheat because I knew Tony was going to be in the hospital. And, you know, I, I knew he'd be, you know, beaten to crap in the, the previous arc. So, you know, really, you know, I just focus on a different character knowing that the main character, you know, is laid up. <laughs> so, so as you were writing the, the issues to catch up to twenty seven, like you said, you wrote twenty six. But were you? I mean, you know, like you knew where Tony was going to be, he was going to be laid up. But like, were how worried were you about it wasn't going to line up on your side? Like, were you constantly going back to twenty seven to make sure you were had all the linkages there? Or? There was nothing to line up. You know, there was. You know, th- you knock the the main character out and you put the other character in. She's got her own sort of supporting cast uh, in twenty seven, and I don't really. Uh, you know, you know the people you do see, Savoy and Caesar, they're in flashback. Right. Uh, you know, you don't really see anyone that you know. Well, I guess you see D Bear, but no, there was. Um, I thought of it as sort of a cheat because <laughs> I didn't think it was that hard to line everything up. <laughs> All right. Cool. So, so now it's coming back out again. It's coming out in, in late June, and it's being re-released. But you guys are adding more stuff to it. I mean, like as I already bought the issue, so like, do, should I buy this issue again? I guess is the main question. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if you want to give me money, yes, but you know, you're not obligated. Uh, we we did a five-page story for uh, Hero Comics last year, and we're reprinting that. 
Uh, you know, so that that's really previous release material, but I I don't know that necessarily a lot of people saw it. <laughs> and then uh, we're putting the the script to that in because a lot of people like to kind of peek behind the curtains. Sure. So, so that's so like eight pages, nine pages of new stuff. Cool. All I right, that's new stuff, but and it's still and it's still two ninety nine, so it's still affordable. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So, um, so one thing I want to ask you about your your process of working oh, with, with. Oh, let me let me add one thing. You know, we in the last year we've actually gained a lot of readers, so it's not completely the naked money grab. It seems you know it's also the fact that uh, that you know there's a lot of people who missed it the first time around, or you know were confused, or you know whatever. Sure. And 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 then it, when it gets collected, it's gonna get collected. The, the trade waiters will never know about this thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's a good point. And I guess, I guess, by doing this, you kind of take some of the steam out of the eBay speculators by having the first printing of twenty seven uh, be the only place where you can get it. <laughs> yeah, there's no stopping those guys. <laughs> they love your book, man. What is up with that? Yeah, that yeah, is... they sure do. <laughs> I guess, I guess, I can't complain. You know, anything that helps, you know, lend the book heat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when somebody tells me, I, you know, oh, I just spent six hundred on a first printing, you know, volume one. I think, uh, you know, why didn't you buy 60 trades and give them to everyone you know? Right, yeah. That would have made a lot more people happier that way, right? <laughs> would have made me happier. Well, and, and so that's, that's interesting because I remember seeing you and Rob at Image Expo and you, you, guys are, you guys are doing something a little different with your signatures at cons and stuff like that. Can you tell me about that? Well, that, that was a, an Image Expo thing where we, we did a variant and we didn't have time to actually do like, – like we don't do a lot of variants. We, we do basically one per San Diego. And we did one for 22, but it was a 50-50 split, so, you know, it wasn't hard to get. But Image Expo, you know, in theory is once every 25 years, it, you know, or 20 years, it should be something special. We didn't have time to dummy up, a, a do a new cover, so we just recolored it. Okay. Did a super low print run, and then I felt bad about charging, you know, 10 bucks for a recolored cover. But the truth is, people are going to buy, get it on eBay and they're going to flip it for 20 25 bucks. So we thought we'd do a nice thing for the fans, which would be if we sign it to you, you know, you know, to Ron, to Fred, to Joe, we charge you 5 bucks. If you don't want it signed to you, yeah, there's a good chance you're going to flip it and uh and then you can pay us 10 bucks. <laughs> and there was there, there was kind of a forced honesty in that, yeah. you know. They didn't want it signed and the people would just kind of shake your head and you you know, you knew you knew they were going to sell it, but at least uh you know, we got a tiny piece of that. <laughs> well, so what was the split like? Like, how many people got a per- Like, do you remember were there a lot of eBayers well, or more? It, it turned out to be about fifty-fifty. But the the eBayers would buy in bulk. You know, we we had less people. You know, and and you know, some were retailers. We had more people wanting you know the five dollar ones, but then we had you know somebody coming up buying five or ten. Right. And uh, you know, so it it turned out in the end to be about a a fifty-fifty split. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, no, I had to laugh because I saw Joe Keating was doing the same thing, and I kind of pointed out to him that there might be a little difference in demand. Yeah, a few a <laughs> few different people have sort of uh, – Rob Liefeld commented on that. Like a, a few different people have said, you know, this is this is sort of a, a way to go because yeah. uh, it, it kind of rewards, you know, the hardcore fans, and it doesn't necessarily penalize the, the speculators, but, you know, it, it's not fair if you're a true fan to pay, you know – 
10 bucks when some other, you know, dick wants to just flip it, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so speaking of flipping and eBay and number ones, um, uh, so the secret agent Poyo, um, uh, number one is coming out in July and it's being, uh, you know, part of the solicitation text is don't miss out on another chew number one. <laughs> uh, apparently it's not. Our numbers are real good. So everyone's going for it. That's- uh, we just got Rob just finished the standard cover because we you know that's debuting in San Diego so we're having a a special pink foil edition. Oh, nice uh, for San Diego and then I've um, I've been getting pinup artists mm. uh, and uh, the the problem is you you sort of ask a bunch expecting a few to flake and everyone's coming through <laughs> so at this rate we may have to up the page count wow so who are some of the people that uh, they're, they're going to be pinups from well i don't really want to say <laughs> just right. yet although i will say last night we got one from ben templesmith wow very yeah. cool <laughs> so uh yeah uh everybody's awesome and uh and they continue to come in and now if everyone comes through we're gonna have way more pinups than pages so We'll have to, you know, up the page count at, you know, no extra cost. Yeah. But it should be a, you know, a really, you know, meaty, awesome package. So, so what is it about this character that made you, you know, a want to do a one shot and b elicit this kind of response from people? <laughs> well, everyone, all of the issues he's been in are sort of, you know, the fan favorites. Like, like he's kind of the, you know, the the favorite supporting cast right. uh, or you know, supporting character. And then I also wanted to do this thing. Um, if you remember Stray Bullets, yeah. David Lapham would always do these like Amy race car stories. Yep. And they they kind of existed outside continuity and they were really like crazy and you know the rules didn't apply. And the the stories of, you know, Rob used to be a little more realistic with Poyo and I'd be like, you know, no, you know, these are the issues that you go crazy. <laughs> and we really wanted sort of a chance to turn Chew up to 11. And, you know, choose crazy enough as it is. So we just wanted to go, you know, absolutely insane. And, uh, and I think we do. And, and like, like I said, the rules do not apply. Like you would never see Tony Chu in hell, you know, that the Chu does have its own rules and that, you know, that wouldn't be realistic. Okay. If you know what I mean, sure. But Poyo fighting his way out of hell, you know, that's fair game. <laughs> awesome. So, like, so where? So, I mean, like you said, Chu is. If you ask me, it's already at eleven. I mean, in terms of the insanity and all that sort of stuff. But how did you come up with the character? And like, what you know, what is the thinking there of like when you think like cyborg chip, chicken? I well, mean, like, how does that come come? The- you know, he was he was one of those things that that you know he was never in the pitch, and I he wasn't thought of initially. And and I, I did issue eight where he just kind of appears and he's supposed to be this, you know, badass cockfighting kind of MacGuffin that everyone on the island wanted. <laughs> and, you know, people thought he was funny. And then I brought him back. And, and each time I brought him back, I, you know, I upped the stakes and made things more and more outrageous. And, you know, people just love Poyo. <laughs> so, like, w- w- when you're approaching the book, I mean, like, are, have have there been any concepts or ideas that have been too much or uh, that that have been too far out there? Or cause it oh, seems yeah. Like- you know, I, I definitely, you know, it, it does have rules and things like, you know, things like the supernatural or, you know, too far science fiction or, you know, or like, like going to hell, right. you know, that wouldn't work. And, you know, I do try to, to base everything on on food powers, yeah. uh, but what was funny was with Poyo, it's actually not Chew. So for the first time, I had this blank slate, and it could have been 
anything. I didn't, and and I realized, hey, I don't have to make a case with food powers. Yeah, <laughs> but it is secret agent Poyo, so I need I need some sort of like you know James Bond threat, but I need a super crazy James Bond threat. <laughs> and I thought a, a a James Bond villain kind of farm animal threat would be awesome. So the uh, the case is about this um, meteorologist who you know study, studies weather phenomenon, and he uh, you know how it, it you know very rarely supposedly rains frogs, right? Well, he figures out how it rains frogs, and he figures how to you know recreate a rain of frogs, and then. From there, it's very easy for him to make it rain other farm animals. So he has it raining sheep on England, and he holds England hostage. And basically, they have to pay him a bunch of money, or he's going to have a uh, you know a sheep storm over London and destroy London. So you know the government sends in secret agent Poyo to stop him. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> I, I I do gotta admit every every issue of Chew and every new chapter kind of fascinates me on how you're taking you know you're taking these concepts that we are familiar to us like the FDA or NASA or the government and all this stuff that, and putting this slight spin on this bizarre universe that you've created on it in in such a clever kind of way <laughs> like where like where where I don't want to say where it's as cheesy as where do the ideas come from but where did he like how how are you able to piece this together uh, to make it all make uh, sense <laughs> some issues are easy some issues are not you know I I have no idea how it comes together yeah <laughs> what would have been some of the more recent challenges uh with the book i mean now that i mean like did, well, did... coming up with that farm animal case was tough <laughs> oh, yeah uh, it was weird because i came up with like three different other cases and i'm like oh i'll use this one down the road but yeah. nothing was really right for you know for Poyo. and you know about every three issues i get you know, really hardcore stuck, and and it, it takes me a long time to write. Right. <laughs> so, in in terms of the the, the food based powers and things like that, do you have like, do you, did you just brainstorm the hell out of a whole bunch of them, and or are you kind of making them up as you need them? I, I make them up as I need them, and then you know they're basically you know I, I figure out something where it's based on you know root words, right. and I'll get into like ancient you know Greek or or Latin and and sort of mix you know. Uh, you know this word with that word, and you know, and it's that power. Right. People ask me if I research do re- much research with Chew, and pretty much all of it's bullshit, except I do some, you know, root work, root word uh, mingling. Yeah. <laughs> Have you gotten any uh, feedback from any chefs or people in the food industry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, you know, we were we were written up by this um, Savir Savir magazine uh, a couple issues ago, which I guess is some. Like real fancy food magazine, and we get, you know, lots of letters from from food people. We met a uh, in New Orleans con. We met a food photographer who mm. was really into the book, and uh, yeah, you know, we a lot of you know food people come our way as a result of this book. <laughs> That's great. So, so you personally, I mean, are like, are, are how are you? Do you cook? Are you in a food? No, or is it, my no? wife is is a pretty big cook, and that that was part of it. Watching her talk to her friends about you know, truffle olive oil, like we would talk about, you know, the thing fighting the Hulk. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, you know, it's just this weird little subculture that was fun to kind of like be a fly on the wall. And it's like, wow, these people are, you know, nerdy about their thing, just like we're nerdy about our things. Yeah. And our things are comics. 
Yeah, well, and and as someone who enjoys food, I gotta say the the cross section of comics and food is great. And seeing you know the the last with the last issue with the with the artist who with the photorealistic paintings. <laughs> well, it it seems so obvious now, but when I was pitching it, you know, no one no one got it, and, and maybe I didn't focus enough on the sort of uh, universality of food. Right. But you know, no one wanted this stupid you know cannibal bird flu cooking book well that's that's actually a good question because the legend the, the, the legend from what we've heard is that it, it you pitched it to vertigo and they passed oh I, I well i like two editors passed and like seven like i either pitched seven or nine editors let's let's go conservative and say seven wow. and you know, most of them didn't even you know give me the time of day <laughs> uh so it, it's not like a bunch of them passed on it yeah. but like i said most of them you know wouldn't return my phone calls or emails, but I tried for a a very long time to get their attention, and the few people who gave it to me said, you know, no. <laughs> so it's got to be nice to see that you've kind of built a little corner of the image universe now. That's that. Oh, that, that. It's really good. <laughs> So, so I, w- I wanted to ask you about the, the working relationship with Rob because one of the things that I think is so interesting is that, like, you know, your stories are so kind of creative and so inventive, but his art kind of almost matches that inventiveness to it. Um, how much visual direction do you give in your scripts, or or is he kind of out there on his own? Well, my, my scripts are really tight. You know, for for a twenty page book, they're probably about thirty five pages long. Okay. Uh, but but I'm also I'm both a control freak, but I'm willing to let things go. And I usually like at least half the pages. I sort of like put the layout in there. <laughs> but I also say, Rob, if you've got a better idea, you know, go for this. And and I'm not such a control freak that I uh, don't let him do my own thing. But I I really, you know, uh, describe everything pretty in, in in pretty detail, and then just let him do what he does. Right. I think we both, you know, trust each other pretty implicitly at this point. Right. So, so, and like the little touches, like the little, like I love, I love soaking in every page and reading all the little details, and there's all these little, you know, kind of, um, you know, words and stuff like that throughout each panel. Is that is is are you giving that to Rob to insert into the panel, or is he just having fun with it? Or but most of it is like more and more because people just you know love rereading it for the in jokes. We we kind of like. I think try to one up each other here and there, right? And like whenever someone's watching TV, I'm like, you know, Rob, you know, what are we going to stick in? And uh, most of it's him, you know. More like, like I said, a, a few times an issue, I I put something in. Uh, you know, like in 25, he's drawing this big crowd scene, and there's there's people in the balcony. I'm like, ooh, let's let's put those Muppet judges in the balcony. <laughs> nice. and so you know. It's both of us, but mostly him. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you know, so we got tw- you know twenty you know twenty seven issues in the can. How far out are you? Are you go? Are you playing with you? I mean, do you think you could do this forever? Or oh no no, no. It, it it goes to sixty. Yeah. And I've written well. I, I'm four panels short of finishing twenty nine, but I finished twenty eight and thirty. And and it's weird because we're now at a point where where I think we're consistent enough that people kind of overlook us you know yep. uh you know a lot of the, the the big sites you know ign and comic vine cbr you know they used to be all over us every issue and now you know they check in once in a while and it's like oh yeah it's chew well, that's one of the. That's what. That's kind of. Uh, it's actually something that we talk a lot about on iFanboy, which we call the the Brian K. Vaughn effect, 
which is um, which was <laughs> derived from uh, when like Why the Last Man and Ex Machina were coming out, and every issue came out, and they were consistently good, and you knew what to expect, and it was better than most of the crap on the stands, but it 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 was just solid issue in and issue out. And I think Chu has kind of fallen in that same kind of area where I, I can't every, we talk about it on our podcast all the time. Every issue is so much fun to read and it never disappoints. Well, there is going to be an issue that comes out uh, by the end of the year that will shake everyone out of their complacency. Oh yeah. And I'm kind of enjoying kind of the calm before the storm right now. Cause everyone's just like, do, 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 do. It's Chu. And they're going to be like, holy Fuck! What just happened? Uh, and uh, I would I would lay money we're gonna get you know I fanboy pick of the week. Okay, <laughs> we'll see. Well, we've already enjoyed it so much, and and so knowing that you know knowing that everyone's kind of a little complacent, do you like was that curveball planned or is that something like oh, right, yeah. I'm gonna screw with everybody? It's uh, been there from the very beginning, <laughs> and uh, it, we're just. You know, approaching that point now. <laughs> yeah, because because it definitely is. I mean, because I was actually as I was reading the most recent uh, issue, I was thinking back to when it started, and and it's like a lot. Not a lot has changed, but it's gone in a lot of different directions from that first issue. Oh yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the lead character, you know, Tony was not a big part of the last arc right. and he's really not a part of this arc right i mean like you know the, the the main character for the you know for you know what's going to be a third of the book at this point is has kind of been knocked out and it's you know it's all set up because what what's happening is sort of the the repercussion leading into the the second half right but, you know i was i was really worried about 26 i i thought it could be the the jumping the shark issue because there was very little profanity in a book that's usually very profane, and there was no violence whatsoever. And I couldn't say this, but it ends in a hug. Right. You know, it's this it's this nonviolent issue that ends with you know a sister hugging a brother. Yeah. And I just thought, oh my god, everyone's going to desert us in droves. <laughs> but everyone sort of got that it was you know a character piece. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it was great. I loved it. I thought it was excellent. So, um, so I got, so I'm sure, you know, you always get asked about it, but I got to ask about it. How are the, the, the TV developments going? It's, you know, we got a, we got a deal. We got, you know, showtime, we got a director, uh, a writer, a script and producers. So we're, we're, you know, just waiting on kind of feedback from the, you know, the, the latest script now. Yeah. Is, has that been kind of a trip to kind of see Hollywood get involved in it or? Yeah, but it's been a really slow trip. <laughs> so Kirkman gave me advice to just don't watch the pot boil and just get as many trades out as possible. Yep. Uh, so you know that's what we're doing when when something happens and you know we take a step forward every couple months. Uh, you know that's good, but you know we just concentrate on the book and uh, you know someday the TV show will, will happen or won't happen. But right. Uh, so far, it just keeps moving ahead, just at a glacial pace. It's it almost seems like you know from uh, the creators that I've spoken to who have gotten these kind of deals, and it almost seems like you, you like you bought a you bought a really nice lottery ticket. Well, <laughs> yeah, but our, ours has already won in in some yeah. respects because it's not just an option. I mean, we do have, uh, you know, it was sold as a package. So we got the Walking Dead producers, Circle of Confusion. We got you know a writer, a director, yeah. uh, a network, and a script. Yeah. That, uh, so so yeah, you're in a better position than most. Yeah. yeah. We, you know, we don't have, you know, a commitment for pilot yet, but, uh, 
things look good. Yeah. So now, as a as a creator and with you know with creator on work like this, how much how much you know control do you relinquish, or how much like what like I mentioned, everybody has a different level, but like how how okay are you with handing over your kind of baby to Showtime to go develop? I mean, how involved well, do you want to be? I would like to be involved. You know, ideally, I would like to be what Kirkman is on Walking Dead. Sure. Uh, but you know, I'm also sort of realistic that that you know, Chew isn't part of a bidding war with other uh, networks like Walking Dead was. Yeah. And and the other thing is is Chew will be a harder translation. You're you're not going to get a bionic luchador chicken in the TV show. <laughs> we can we can hope. Yeah, I mean, I guess you just got to be. I, I, I mean, Chew is so weird that if they can capture the tone and you know a lot of the characters stay the same, uh, and it's true to the book, that's good. It just uh, it will be a less exact, uh, you know, interpretation than I think Walking Dead is. Right. Yeah, because I mean, because I mean, I think Walking Dead is even though it's zombies and stuff like that, it's still somewhat based in reality. Where while Chew is based in a little reality, I think it's a little more fantastic. So yeah, it's, yeah, uh, I'd go along with that. Yeah, well, I'm super curious to see how it develops, and I hope. I mean, I hope it all happens, and and one Sunday night I'll be home watching Chew. That would be great. So. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, me too. But even if it doesn't, I mean, the book is is my main focus, and yeah, you know, TV's just gravy, but. uh you know the the book's already sort of succeeded beyond any of our you know wildest wildest expectations. Right. So um, I'm always fa- I love one of the things I do love about reading Chew is uh, reading your guys' letter column <laughs> because yeah. you know I just love the letters column. But you've got a, it seems like you've got a great you know loyal community with cats and the whole thing. Yeah, well, I get you know I get a couple dozen per issue, really? and then uh, you know I uh, now I pick the ones where it's like their cat with a. Uh, uh, you know, their cat next to a chew thing because I get so many. Wow. Well, that's a good problem to have, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's my my book, so I get to do that whatever the hell I want. And I, I like cat pictures. And it, it's just a it's a good fun thing to keep, uh, A, to keep people writing in. But, B, I don't have to reply. They can write a letter and I just, you know, say, oh, nice cat. <laughs> and uh, so I don't have to spend much time on it. And it's funny because you think that, you know, like that, because uh, I loved the letter column growing up, and you think it's such a simple way to stay connected to your readers. And I know, I know, you know, the letter column kind of died a, a short term death when the internet kind of came to prominence. Everyone's like, oh, well, message boards will replace it. But I, there's nothing better than seeing your name printed and like to see your favorite writer respond or something like that. So. Well, the, the one thing that's even better is, is seeing your cat. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I get people who like, Oh yeah, you know, sign you know the five issue you know twenties I bought because it you know it's got precious in there. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to ask you: Have you met any of the people whose cat pictures oh, yeah, you posted? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And yet now I got you know fan art, and I got people you know cosplaying, and you know we get all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> That's cool. It's, well, because it's I mean it's such a unique book, and I imagine that the fan base is probably just as unique. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So now, Chew isn't the only thing that you're working on, though, right? You've got some other projects in the in the pipe. Well, I I have a Sam Keith thing that's been uh, that's being it's an alien story that's being uh, um, serialized in Dark Horse Presents. Ooh. But at this point, I wrote that thing like a year ago, so it's not new to me. Right. Uh, uh, you know, Sam and I have been friends for a long time, and and he was trying to write it, and. and uh, uh, sort of having some problems, and he like called me up and asked if I wanted to like do this thing with him. So of course I said yes. So that's coming out, and I'm doing uh, Mars Attacks with John McRae nice. uh, at IDW, which is a a really good match. John and I have been you know friends for a long time, and like you know really sort of goofy violence is is right up both of our uh, 
both of our alleys. Yep. Um, and then uh, I got a secret project that hasn't been announced yet that I'm working on. All right. Interesting. So um, so going back to the Sam Keith project, he's one of my favorite all-time artists. Um, I think his work is just amazing. What is it? What is the process of working with him like? Because I imagine he's, he's like creativity un- unleashed on the page, right? Well, usually my scripts are very focused yep. uh, and, and very, you know, full script. And for him, you know, he likes to kind of do his own thing. So I wrote full dialogue, but I just kind of like did it plot style as far as story from like in three page chunks and then let him lay it out however he saw fit. Right. Uh, and then I'm lettering it. So I get to, um, uh, you know, I get to, you know, kind of adjust in the lettering phase. You're lettering it. Really? Yeah. I lettered you. Oh, oh I didn't even know that. Really? Yeah. Oh. I lettered you and I do, uh, all the production. Rob and I kind of split design. I mean, Rob sets up kind of templates and the design look, but I, you know, I do all the letters page thing about, um, Chu and me and Rob, we're both so anal. We don't like anyone else to do anything. <laughs> so, um, so you know, we basically hand image finished files, and they just throw it into a doc and add the, uh, you know, the the little UPC symbol and the the, the indicia, you know, the masthead, and and we do every other thing. That's that's, that's <laughs> I'm sure image likes that. Less work for them, right? <laughs> yeah, less work for them. You know, we we kind of got it down to a science and. Um, you know, this way, A, if there's a screw up, it's all our fault. Yeah. But B, it, you know, it, it really is a, a two man operation, which is why we're not quite monthly. Right. You know, Rob does, he's got a coloring assistant, but, you know, he does everything and, and I do everything. Oh, wow. That's fa- I had no idea. That's fascinating. So, so if you're doing the lettering, I can ask you, I recognize because it's also the logo of our site, you're using the Fantastic Four font a lot uh, in, the, in the little meat, meat in the little bio intros. Uh yeah yeah I mean I I use Comicraft fonts. Okay yeah yeah and well uh, they, they, I think they've got one that's based off the Fantastic Four one. Are they just do you like the look of it or is that any sort of nod yeah. or? Yeah no it's just you know I like the look of various Comicraft fonts. I don't even think of it as the Fantastic Four font. I think of it as this or that Comicraft font. Yeah. <laughs> so so lettering is kind of the discipline that is um often most kind of overlooked. Like uh, I mean I guess being a control freak is why you do it, but but a, a lot of not not many people have the discipline to be able to to letter a full issue well see before i got into comics i i did like charts and graphs for a newspaper like stock charts and pie charts and stuff and then when i was an editor at wildstorm you know this was back in pre-digital days and you always had to get film out on friday you know before fedex closed and inevitably i'd need some lettering corrections at the last minute and and a letter was mia but i knew the program so i did it myself And then when I went freelance, I couldn't get writing work, but I could get lettering work. And, uh, you know, if you're not an artist, it really gives you control of the page. So, you know, I, whenever I can, I letter my own stuff. And if it's my own book, I definitely am going to letter it. But I'm I'm lettering Mars Attacks too, and I'm lettering Aliens. Wow, really? wow, that's fa- so. I'm just fascinated. So what? How how um how fast are you? Like I know I know you know because you and Robert are kind of like on a six week kind of schedule. But are you able well, see, to? That, that's that's the glory of it. Because if you're you know if you're lettering work for hire stuff, you want it done as fast as possible. But if I have a chew sound effect that I want to spend forty five minutes on. You know, it's my book. You know, this is my permanent record. You know, right. God damn it, I'm going to spend that time on, you know, on making the sound effect as perfect as possible. <laughs> uh, 
And so typically, you know, Rob finishes a page or John McRae finishes a page or two, they send it over. And that's kind of what I do in the morning while I'm, you know, warming up or whatever. Uh, you know, the, the pre-writing time. Sure. Uh, and, you know, typically a page takes, you know, takes you 15 minutes or so if there's no, you know, real bells and whistles, if it's not too dialogue heavy. <laughs> wow. I'm and, then, you know, Rob turns, at, after he finishes an issue, he turns in all the colors and I, you know, I paste them up in Photoshop. Uh, a lot of people these days keep them in layered, yep. like on, uh, you know, like layered InDesign files. But once in a while, like a Morning Glory's hardcover will come out without a with a page of lettering missing, or a Captain America book will come out where the pages have shifted. Yep. And I don't do that. I paste the shit on, and it cannot move. <laughs> Wow. Uh, the foreign licensing people don't like that, but <laughs> it's it's my book, and I'm going to ensure there's no screw ups. Or if there are screw ups, they're all on me. Right. Oh wow. That's. I mean, I, I can't say I've heard a a creator take that level of commitment to their book. You know what I mean? Like everybody seems to, you know, fall into those kind of like those those tri- not tricks, but those habits and that sort of thing. But you're taking full ownership of this book. And that's that's yeah. fascinating. So that's yeah. great. Jeez. Of course. Uh, when there is a typo, like on the cover to 226, yeah. totally my fault. I put <laughs> Space Cakes part one of one. And of course, it's supposed to be part one of five. I fucked up. You see, now and, I thought that was just, I thought that was a clever way of saying this was a one shot. Yeah, well, it wasn't. <laughs> everyone thinks that. That's the great, the saving grace is everyone thought it was a joke, yeah. but no, uh, I, I screwed up. Well, at least it wasn't part two of one or something, something yeah. like that. <laughs> And the funny thing is usually you notice the mistakes as soon as you get the printed version. Yep. And I didn't notice it for a, for weeks until someone, you know, pointed it out in like a review or, or something. And I'm like, what? And then it didn't even bother me that much. It's like, yeah, you know, I'll correct it next issue and it won't affect the trades. Yeah. Uh, so... You know that's a mistake I can live with. Well, I, I like I, I like the reputation of everybody just assumed it was a joke or you know because like yeah. the, the, the yeah, book is okay, already but... so par- you know parodying things that <laughs> so that that's that that's got to be a nice little net that you can you know when you do make a mistake that people just think it was uh, already planned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, definitely a saving grace. <laughs> cool. So so when you're working on you know on something like Alien or Mars Attacks versus you know Chew, which is your own thing, how much um, you know like a licensed property? How much uh, worry about you know, writing other people's characters? Or the, I mean, I, I imagine Mars Attacks you could probably be pretty out there with it, but how much involvement? Yeah, well, I only take stuff. I mean, Chew has sort of given me the the freedom to only take stuff I want. You know, I don't have to take stuff because I'm worried about the the, the paying the power bill. Right. So, you know, if it was something I was worried about or didn't think I could do justice to, I would just say no. Wow. That's got to be a nice, good position. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chew has definitely uh, uh, made my life easier than it was before Chew. <laughs> so this has, been a, this has just been a, a, a banner year for Image. You know, it's the 20th anniversary. They have the, the Image Expo. But it seems like sales are, you know, numbers are just, you know, you know going up and up and up every month. How, how is Chew doing on sales-wise? Well, chew trades do almost as good as the floppies. You know, the, the we don't set the world on fire, but we're definitely like solid. Mm-hmm. And you know, we dip down. You know, we creep up. Uh, you know, here and there. And, and part of it is you know regularity. We we canceled a trip to London and uh, London and Italy in January, so Rob could you know keep the book uh, on schedule. And then 
looks like we may be canceling another or you know turning down another a- annual international offer this fall. Oh wow. And it sucks, but you know if if the book falls too far out of schedule, you know, sales start dipping. But what we do, we do five issues on uh, a trade and then a month off. So you right. get, you know, five issues in a trade every 7 months. And you know, so we're never and, and what happens is we're running late by the the 6th month, but then we've got, you know, a 2 month reset button. Um and I think fans know that we do it all, and you know we're not we're not battle chasers right. or you know one of those books. So yeah. you know they tend to let it slide yeah. uh, that it's you know that that you know we're a couple weeks late by the end, and uh, you know be, because of that, and uh, you know even you know books like uh, you know uh, Why the Last Man and Preacher and all those other self-contained books. Uh, you know, had colorists, had letterers, had editors. You know, it's just me and Rob. So, right. you know, cut us some slack. Sure, yeah, and and but I think part of that also is that like the the balance with the consistency that we we're talking about earlier is the fact that, like I said, I've never read a bad issue of Chew, well, and so when you know that every time it comes out, it's going to be good, then people are are probably more forgiving, and they're like, all right, when it comes out, it comes out because I know I'm going to enjoy it. Well, you won't read a bad one until at least issue thirty-one. All right, that's good to know. <laughs> so, so you said you said you've got the the story planned out through sixty issues. What I keep, I always as a writer, I always hear that number sixty issues. It seems to be like that magic number. Is that just yeah. because you broke your story down and that's what it ended up being, or like why does it always seem like these kind of finite creator-owned series tend to be around sixty issues? Well, I did it just because all the other ones did, <laughs> and it seems like the number where you don't get too flabby or, or, or self-indulgent. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I have to work towards an end. You know, I've had people say, "Oh, you should just do this forever." You know, Kirkman says he's going to do Walking Dead forever, right. and 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 honestly, I think there's a point where you know you can only shock people by you know killing characters so much, and you know it it. The, the power may divi- diminish eventually, but you know, working towards an ending makes it a you know a completely different animal. Interesting, yeah, yeah. No, because I mean, because I wasn't sure if there was some sort of behind the scenes business with the number of trades that come out of that or something like that. No, but no. but yeah, well, fascinating. Cool. Although at one point we did think fifty issues, but then you know all these other books that I loved are sixty, mm-hmm. and I thought okay, twelve issues, you know, six hardcovers. And, you know, sometime down the road, we want to do these, like, absolute edition type things yeah. called Smorgasbord editions. <laughs> nice. Uh, 20 issues. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're, they're a couple years off, but, you know, three of those in theory. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, that's good. And that, that's, that's, that's going to be a nice little run to have up on the shelf is kind of like, yeah, like do, you see, do you see this as kind of your magnum opus? Or? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, I'm done after this. Oh, really? <laughs> You're out? <laughs> you drop the mic and walk off? <laughs> well, you know, I grew up on Cerebus. When, when, I was, when I was a kid, you know, in the 80s, everyone wanted to have their own Cerebus, their own little successful creator-owned world. Yep. And, you know, Cerebus kind of went off the rails, but, you know, Rick Beach and... And there was Hepcats and and Maxi Mortal and all these indie guys tried to have their own little you know successful world and uh, you know I never lost that dream and now I've got that yeah. uh, and you know if nothing happens after Chew I I got what I wanted I got what I was always working towards that's great yeah no I mean it's funny because it's like that that um, 
that Cerebus kind of marker, like I know, you know, like McFarland's definitely got an eye on that with Spawn, even though he it hasn't been him through the whole way. But like, yeah. um, you know, Larson, Lar- yeah, yeah, Larson was Savage Dragon, yeah, exactly. And so it's uh, that three hundred mile marker is insane. But that that you know that create your own, build your own world, and have your own book is something that I mean, it's that's a a kind of spirit that it comes and goes. And I feel like it's it went away for a little while these past recent years, but I feel like it's back now. Well, I do think you know. Compared to three, I, I think three hundred. When you go three hundred, you're going to have some some ebbs and flows, and you're going to have like you know some sucky eras. Yep. Uh, and hopefully, with sixty issues, you're you're focused enough that that you know it doesn't wander like that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's it's almost you know, like forcing you to be more focused and forcing you to be more kind of you know just get to the point, get to the story, as opposed to meandering yeah. that that some way yeah. Dave Sims sometimes did because that kind of got him in trouble. <laughs> well. I mean, Cerebus's problem was, uh, I don't know, my problem with Cerebus was when he found religion. Yes. And uh, and then was doing all the, you know, pages and pages of six-point type, you know, retelling the Bible. But then he'd have the character, you know, covering half the text. So even if you wanted to read it, which of course nobody did, you literally couldn't. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I, I, think, I think he lost sight of his audience. Yeah. I think at some point... Um, sort of telling his point of view was more important than entertaining his audience. Yep. And it's his right to do that, but you know, it lost me and I think it lost a ton of people. Mm-hmm. And I was I was the biggest service fan. And uh, you know, I don't intend to lose my audience. I uh you know, I'm very grateful because I never expected to get this. Well, that's great. That's excellent. Congratulations, man! Like it's it's honestly one of our favorite series, and and it's been such a great ride. And you're, as you're coming up on about half uh, the halfway mark, it's got a you know I know that we've got a good few years left in it, so we're gonna enjoy every moment of it. Well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna milk it a little bit, like <laughs> uh, you know the the Poyo thing milks it a little bit, and we had so much fun with Poyo that we've we've brought up the idea that you know a year maybe two years from now we do deep space Poyo. <laughs> And, uh, you know, where the, where this one was like a James Bond movie, we do like some sort of science fiction kind of action movie. <laughs> That's great. I think you definitely should because I love those Amy race car books. I mean, I'm so glad you made that comparison. I think, you know, like it's a shame that those Stray Bullets books aren't in print still. I mean, like, oh, like, yeah. So yeah good. I, I bust David Lapham's chops whenever I, I can because uh, – more people should know about that book. Oh, absolutely! It was uh, so. I mean, I've got, I've got. Luckily, I've got the hardcovers and and the issues because I was around I, when it came out. But yeah, I, there's a generational thing, you know. I think if if you don't have them around for a certain number of years, you know, there's a whole people, you know, whole whole sort of sub sector of comic book fans who you know discover comics and or move on, and uh, you know, you've got all these people who who don't know about these great books. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's our job to kind of, uh, you know, hopefully educate them. But you know, as long as they're still in print, and you can still get them. So, I mean, that that one thing, I think that's really helped you. It, it's kind of becoming this weird perennial where, you know, people are are picking up, picking picking it up, and they're buying three copies. You know, one for their, one for their girlfriend, one for their coworker, and you know, one for their cousin who doesn't read comics. Yep. And it, keeps getting kind of passed around and spread yeah well it's it's always a go-to holiday like we we use it all the time for recommendations like but you know by you know when it's everyone wants to know what comics should i buy for people who don't read comics and she was always like the person who loves food get them this and so yeah yeah and everyone loves food yeah i know i do (laughs) 
I had to delay this interview so I could eat lunch. So there you go. That's, That's right. how much I love food. Priorities. <laughs> Excellent. Well, John, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And congratulations with the book. Yeah. And, and you know, you'll know the issue I'm talking about when it comes before the end of the year. And uh, you guys uh, will have to be a pretty stiff competition to not win uh, – uh, pick of the week because it's gonna fucking blow everyone away. All right, well I'll warn the other guys and we'll be on the lookout for it. So, excellent. All right, Ron. Well, All right. nice talking to you. Thanks, iFanboy. And a big thanks goes out to John for giving us some time to chat about Chew as well as all his other projects. Um, you can go to ifanboy.com slash comics where you can add Chew to your pull list and tell everyone that you're reading it. And be sure to check out Chew number 27, which is going to be in stores next week. And, uh, yeah, so always a good time to talk to John and, and talk about the fun world of Chew. Um, head over to ifanboy.com for all your up-to-the-minute comic book news articles, reviews, all fun stuff that's there. If you got any questions, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash ifanboy or facebook.com slash ifanboy. So until next time, enjoy your comics. 